father's table, an introspective look and conversation about our fathers and how they shaped our lives. Welcome to the father's table. Uh, we're back. And I have a very special guest with me uh, today. Uh, I have Matthew B. Sully. Did I say that last name right, Matt? Uh, it, it's Sully. You know, most Sully. people get it wrong. It's all good. <laughs> yeah, uh, Matt has really been a tremendous uh, just uh, impact on, uh, I, I would say, a tremendous impact on YouTube. Um, just a little background about him. Uh, Matt is a devout Christian and a teacher who is passionate about his life. Um, and, and he's passionate about the Bible. Uh, Matt is a, a YouTuber. He has a YouTube channel he could probably tell us a little bit about. Um, and also, Matt is an author. He's written like either a book, and I think he has another one in the works of coming out. He's also a founder of, uh, the founder of the Father's Well Ministry. Um, and if you contact him, he could probably come to your local church and, and share there. But uh, he, he's really a young man, and uh, he's, he's really, you know, awesome. I've, I've found him by way of YouTube, and I was like, you know, I really like this guy. And he was, <laughs> he's fortunate enough, to, uh, just grace, you know, graceful enough to just put his phone number on uh, one of his videos uh, for anyone that wanted some help. <laughs> so I called him <laughs> one day, <laughs> and, uh, and that's how I met him. And uh, we've texted here and there about a couple of things. Um, but uh, welcome to the Father's Table, Matt. Awesome. Um, thank you. You know, I, I think it's it's pretty interesting how we have, like, very similar ministries. So it, it's, it's nice for me to go from a well to, uh, you know, reclining at a table, <laughs> you know, <laughs> at the Father's Table. But thank you for having me. Oh, no problem. No problem. And as I mentioned, uh, you are a YouTuber. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about that, like your ministry or whatever it is? Sure. Um, yeah, essentially I am a, a YouTuber, I guess. You know, you, you could say that. I'm, I'm not like, you know, one in the sense where, you know, I, I go crazy and try to get 10,000 subscribers like everybody else. But I guess I'm a YouTuber in the sense of it's just something that I use as a medium you know as a as a tool to teach because essentially that's what i am you know i'm a teacher that's what god has birthed in me to do um i love how knowledge just changes people's reality it changes their perspective people can come to have epiphanies about things and instantly the way that they see you know a situation or even the world itself or even god uh, it's instantly changed. And I like that effect that it has on people. Um, what really keeps it going is when I do see people go from, from bad to better. And since I've worked in the schools for nearly eight to 10, really, if I really want to be honest, about 13 years of my life, um, I've seen individual students change when people are patient with them and when they show them certain flaws or shortcomings about themselves and i work with these students for like a year i'm with them for like a year straight from october all the way till may and so i've watched how people change i watch how long it takes 
you know, and I've seen that like over and over, you know, and of course I've seen a fair share of people who don't. And because of that, it's had a, a tremendous impact on how I look at God and how he deals with us and mm-hmm. our chapters and levels and stages and development and where we're at in our lives. And, you know, I'm like, wow, man, Lord, how do you deal with us? You know? <laughs> and so well, I'm definitely learning, you know, about theology and just, you know, the world in general, I, I keep those things in mind. I keep those humanitarian developmental things in mind. You know, I think that's, that's uh, definitely very important, you know? Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah, man, you definitely sound like a teacher, and I I could definitely relate to that. Um, Being a father, uh, it requires a lot of patience, but it also helps you to take a step back and examine yourself and like, oh, okay, this is interesting. Wow. Um, So tonight I want to do something different. I I wanted to do this with previous guests, but I don't think I've had the time. So I'm going to try with you. I'm not sure. This is not like anything that's supposed to bring pressure, but just like a quick fire type of thing. Oh yeah. So what I'm going to ask you a series of questions in like 10 seconds. And I want you to give me like the first, like these are all yes or no questions. Hmm. Um, And I want you to answer as quickly as you can, first thought, and I'll just set a timer. And these are basic yes or no questions about your father, and then we could get into it. But I think this would be something cool I want to try to implement. Um, so it might be the first and last time, but uh, we'll see how it goes. So you ready? I'm ready. Okay. Starting timer now. Are you a father? No. Do you keep in touch with your father? My father, unfortunately, passed on December 12th, 2014. Okay. That was 10 seconds? Oh, wait a minute. Is your biological father married? Was your biological father married to your biological mother? Yes. Do you have brothers and sisters by the same father? Yes, I do. Except for one. Okay. Uh, was your father a reserved man? Define reserved. <laughs> Laid back, chill. Didn't, was a man of few words. Didn't really okay. say Okay. Um, I think I could say more yes than no. I think I could say that. Okay. Do you consider your father heroic? Um. No, not the, the term heroic is not the word I, I would define for my father, um, more like the, the term of, I guess it's like a phrase, um, to be there for you. Gotcha. Gotcha. Growing up, was your father active in your life? Yes or no? No, only until my adult life. Okay. Were you afraid of your father? No. And our last question, are you like your father now? Um, not only am, do I believe that I'm kind of like my father, um, I, I think that earlier in my life, 
Um, I, I definitely was somewhat like him, but <laughs> as I got older, I, I think that I'm, you know, I, I pick up more his, his characteristics and his mannerisms more. And this kind of, uh, in my opinion, accelerated after he died. Mm. Um, th- there's a little story I always kind of share. Um, it, it still amazes me and freaks me out to this day. And that is, I remember I was at the grave and my, my, mom my sister were there and there was like a few other people because they eventually all left and um we're all standing there over his grave and you know the the uh the barriers didn't even like bury him yet so the casket just there and um i don't know i remember something like came over me where i knew i was going to stand there for a very long time and so eventually it was time for us to go. And when I started to leave for some unknown reason, every little other moment I would keep looking back. And I remember in that moment, like the more I kept looking back, the more I got this feeling that increased that made it feel like a part of me stayed there. And whoever my dad was like a part that was in him left with me. And it was like this exchange or something, you know what I mean? Of, of course, obviously we all know the Bible doesn't answer every single nuance of spirituality in life. It wasn't designed that way. So it always leaves kind of an open door for, for you to, to, to wonder. And of course, you know, it always gives you something to pray about, but I think about that to this day, you know, and I hope that like maybe perhaps, God's gift was, you know, the, the best virtues of my father went with me, you know, and the parts that I guess my father loved about me, a little bits of that, you know, went with him, you know, Hmm. so that's, that's the way I would, would describe that. It's really insightful. Thank, thank you for uh, sharing and participating in that. I'm, I'm still trying to work out the kinks to it, but thank you for being my guinea pig. Um, oh, it's fine. As long as I don't get shots, I'm, I'm fine. You know, uh, no vaccinations either. Right, right. No vaccinations over here. <laughs> um, so let's let's get to the. You know, this is how I begin a lot of the interviews. I want you to close your eyes, take three deep breaths, and tell me what comes to mind when you think of your father? Um, instantly, I see him smiling. Um, that, that, that same smile that, that I make. And he, he's there with his, his glasses. Um, I see his walk, his, his stern walk. Um, oh my gosh. <laughs> Man, I don't want to cry. So, um, I remember... Uh, the, the, the sunlight in the morning when we're walking outside of his apartment where, where my granddad now lives. Um, and we're on our way to uh, catch a ride to, to go to the movies in the waterfront because I took my dad out for his birthday um, in, in like July. So that was like the year that he died. So months later, he would actually pass. Um, I see us having a good time. I see us 
talking about Star Trek. He loves Star Trek, and he always told me the little insights and stories, kind of like I do. You know, anytime someone asks me something, I'll I'll give him like you know the story of it, and after that, I always give this little insight that makes people go hmm. And so, so was um, he like a Trekkie? Like he's like a yes. Trekkie. I love uh-huh. I love Star <laughs> I love Star Wars. He loves Star Trek. I, I think okay. he loves Star Wars too. I just can't quite remember, but I do know he loves Star Trek. Um, yeah. What else? Um, I I remember what I would call the Batcave, or what he called the Batcave, which was just his his living room. You know, <laughs> big dark curtains, uh, big flat screen TV, best chill place ever. You know, um. I remember, I see, I remember his hug, you know, because his, his body was so hard, you mm. know, but it was, it was so skinny at the same time. But I remember, oh man, I miss my dad, man. Like I, I remember my dad's <laughs> yeah. hug, you know, and um, I always remember him saying, mm-hmm. I'm <laughs> proud of you, son. You know, I always remember him saying that I'm proud of you, you know, he, he meant that. He said it from his gut. Every time he said it, he always said it from like his gut, like you could tell, you know. But yeah, oh, I miss. Um, sounds man. warm. That sounds really warm, man. <laughs> um, I I could relate to that so much, especially the hugs. And if I start talking about it, I I'll probably start. <laughs> I know you're gonna stop, stop yourself because uh, my father passed away too. Um, oh wow! I'm so, sorry. Yeah, man. So. But just just moving on. Uh, do you so know what me, year? Do you know what year he passed? By the way, uh, two thousand fourteen. Same year. Yeah, my wow. mine's was in February, two thousand fourteen. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Um. Yeah, I remember that night. It's some things you don't forget, and that's one of them. Uh, <laughs> so, take me back to. Was it, was it February or March? I can't remember now. No, my my grandfather was March, I believe. My dad was February. Okay, let me. I'm getting my dates mixed up. Okay, but it was definitely 2014. But uh, take me back to you as a child. Take me back to the ages around uh, elementary school. Um, how was your relationship with your dad then? Uh, was he with your mother? Was he in the house? Was he out of the house? Like, how was it? How was he to you then? Well, I mean, at that time, my, my dad was divorced from my mom. Uh, and, and mainly that was because that was during a time when he unfortunately had his fight um, against crack cocaine. You know, later mm-hmm. on in his life, he eventually beat it and it was great. And that's, that's where my adult life kicks in. But I had a stepdad name um well i won't say his name uh but yeah i did have a stepdad and this guy was like six foot two you know he would lift uh <laughs> now i remember when he was real little he used to have a jerry curl you know uh we used to make fun of him a little bit because he reminded everyone of the guy on uh coming to america you know, no, but he, he was definitely a, a, a straightforward kind of dude, you know, reserved, mm-hmm. quiet, but 
Um, he was very encouraging. So mm-hmm. my dad at that time, he was struggling with cocaine. And every once in a while, I was allowed to visit him. And so I remember this one time when I went to at least somewhere where he was living. And he had a fish tank, you know, and, you know, he was a, a, a pretty neat collector. Um, and, yeah, I remember just spending time with my dad. And he's always very nice. Me and my sister... And one of the things I remember is that he would do voices. You know, he'd be able to do like certain accents, you know, like if example, <laughs> if I talk Jamaican, you know, anybody would, would be able to see that I, I am from Barbados or something, or, you know, sometimes he talk Irish, you know, I remember this one time he talked like he was an Irishman, you know, and he talked, tell me about Pittsburgh <laughs> and that, that Irish background. And so my dad was a bit international and I found myself kind of the same way you know i'm a people person and you know i'm always fascinated i love to explore but that was how i remember my dad but my main person that was in my life at the time was my stepfather um oh okay so growing up uh when you were younger and i'm i'm gonna guess that this is from like elementary school to high school um yep uh, your stepfather was more in the picture than your biological father because he had his own things he was struggling with. Um, yeah. How old were you when you kind of realized like, oh, there's a problem or he, there's a drug problem or did your mom or your stepfather sit you down and say, hey, listen, your, your father has a problem with drugs or they kind of didn't mention it at all. And you, you know you what? Found- I, I think that... Um- Perhaps they did mention it, and I forgot. Because mm. um, I, I think that's what did happen. Because I, I do remember when I was in college, there was a time where I said, you know what, I want to stay with my dad. You know, because, mm. you know, he basically lived not too far from where, where I was. Um, for once, you know, I want to take advantage of it. So when I was in college, I moved up there with him. And my family members were saying, hey, you might not want to do that. You know, what's up with your dad, you know about him. And I'm like, you know what? No, everyone deserves a second chance. You guys don't understand. And, you know, I mean, we all know that young people are, you know how we do, you know, you you can't tell us wrong. You know, we think we can change the world. Every young person gets that energy every once in a while. Mm -hmm. So to make a long story short, um, I moved up there with my dad and I remember, like, I'd say by the end of the year, I had to move back because mm. I remember when my boy wrote me home from uh from um the art institute, you know, from from college, and you know, I walked in the house, and next thing you know, the TV was missing, my PS2 was missing, uh just a lot of things, man. Like just everything was missing, you know? And before that, the water went out and before that the lights went out, but then they went back on. And before that, something else. So those were signs that stuff was up, but my dad kept on saying, Hey, don't worry. It's just a temporary thing. You know, I'm definitely going to get it fixed. And so, you know, th- those are things that, that happen. You know, uh, if, mm-hmm. I, if I would have told my parents that, um, they would have probably said, oh, okay, that, that, there's a sign, so you're coming back home right now. Gotcha. But long story short, um, 
you know, I ended up moving my stuff back. And, you know, of course I forgave my dad. He was in a hospital. Um, and I believe he kind of got not necessarily beat up pretty bad, but I think some altercation happened because of some kind of disparity with the drugs. That's just, you know, how it goes. You know, it, it wasn't like banged up or nothing, but you could tell like something happened. So right. when I did move back, and, and this, I'll wrap it up. Basically, all the drawings that I had ever drawn from age seven all the way to age 19 were gone. Mm. I meant to go back up there to get them, but my dad didn't tell me that he moved. So when I knocked on the door and there was this father and son couple that was there and they said, well, oh, yeah, that guy moved out about a month ago or so. And um, whatever was here was just gone. We don't know and something like that. And so I now only have a small bit or remnant of the things that I drew from age seven to 19. Had I had all that stuff, I would have been able to look back and got a lot of insight on like, you know, myself, you know, I created like eight books, you know, I drew actual books and I'll put them together. You know, I would make actual drawings of illustrations. I made characters for a video game I was going to make because in the mid nineties, there was a competition out saying, if you give us your idea for a video game, we'll go ahead and, you know, have you make money from it and and dividends and all that, you know? So the kids would try to do that. And, and so, yeah, I made all types of stuff when I was a kid and all that is gone now, you know? So Mm -hmm. I, kind of think to myself, if I didn't move, you know, if I didn't move up there, I would most likely have that stuff, you know, right. but I don't. So, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's sad, man. Experience that type of loss. And I didn't even know this. Uh, you you draw, man. That That's cool, man. Oh, that, yeah. I, that's a really cool craft to have. <laughs> um, so I could only imagine, I'm, I'm a writer, I could only imagine if I had scripts and you know, I've written about five or six of them and they're oh all my gosh. Like, oh, you know, on a computer or something like that. It's just like, oh man, it's put hours into this. So, right. yeah. So going back pre-college, as you were growing up, did you talk to your father periodically over the phone, like check in birthdays, you know, how you um, been, or did he check in with you periodically? You know what? I I think it was more like he checked in with me more than I than him because, you know, keep in mind I was a kid. Right. Yeah, I think I think the most interaction I got out of my family was every Saturday, like literally every Saturday morning. Me and my sister would would hop on our bikes and we would ride our bikes to our, our grandparents' house, like every Saturday morning. Period that's what we did you know and it was like a a 15 minute ride up the hill down the hill and you know along the alleyways and beautiful scenery and yeah and we would go there and that's when um you know i really got to know my grandparents you know they're the ones that would always make these special kind of pancakes and my grandmother had always had this aloe tree that she actually used to, to heal us one time you know we had gotten a, a scrape or something like that, and she put the aloe right on the, the wound. And I watched that aloe harden, you know. 
So I, I learned all types of little things. And my grandma pulled out old pictures of my dad and uh, our family. Because my grandfather, um, he basically had seven kids. So when I think about, like, you know, the model person, I do think about my dad, don't get me wrong. But I have to admit, my granddad is, like, that model person. He's like the Abraham. You know, he's got seven kids. They're all my aunts and uncles. Um, And, yeah. And and just to clarify, that's on your father's side. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. But yeah, that was uh, that was my my childhood in terms of like my family on his side, just a little bit. Gotcha. So you and your father's connection got tighter, and you got a chance to actually live with him um, uh, during college. So if you could describe living with him uh, that year, you said it didn't end on a on a great note, but like during the course of that year, how how was it? Did it have its ups and downs? Um, it sounds like the way you described them, it seems like y'all had some cool moments and then some uncool moments. Yeah, well, I mean, what I would say is, is that for, for one, um, I would definitely say my dad was a great father. I definitely know that. Um, mm-hmm. I would definitely come home from college and, you know, he, he definitely always had like, you know, some food and provision and things and, you know, going out. Uh, and of course we had some great talks, you know, we had some wonderful talks. Um, the only thing is it escapes me of what those talks were. And I think once again, it was cause I was just young and I didn't foresee like me moving out of there, uh, as fast, you know what I mean? Had I mm-hmm. seen that I'd have probably, you know, took a little bit more consciousness in the memorizing all that stuff, yeah. but yeah. I think the only thing that we really had bumps on is when um, I come home one day and all of a sudden, like the water wasn't running, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. and which, which are all linked to, you know, his, that was his battle with cocaine. Right. You know, it was the one thing that just really just kept draining everything. Nevertheless, he was a great guy though, but he just had that Achilles heel and it would just kill him every time. Did did he ever discuss that with you, or did or was this something he didn't talk about? Oh yeah, he did. He oh, he had discussed it with me, and then one time, uh, he had told me, and I never forgot this. He said, he said, be, being on cocaine, he said the worst part is, is that you ride the dragon. I said, what's riding the dragon? And he said, riding the dragon is, you have the highest high of your life. It's the greatest feeling ever when you first hit crack cocaine and you get that high and they call it riding the dragon. The problem is, is that when that ride is over, you go back to experience that high. And usually the average cocaine addict tells you that you never ride that dragon again. And so you spend, you know, if you don't, get get over it you spend the rest of your life chasing the dragon for that one mm. ride no matter how close you get and wow. yeah that's i think i heard something like that about gambling too it I, I, maybe i'm wrong but it was almost like you you try to chase that that sensation or that feeling or that jackpot of winning that first time 
and then you try to keep chasing that, you know, I got to win, I got to win type of deal. Um, maybe I'm getting my analogies messed up, but I, I remember hearing something similar with that. You're trying to chase that first high. Yeah. Um, wow. Well, it's it great. He, he shared that with you and he was open and honest and transparent about that with you. Um, just, just want to shift here. So you mentioned that you're a man of God. Uh, was that something that you picked up from your, your father at an early stage or was it something he talked about or you weren't introduced to that by him at all? Well, when I think about like the phrase man of God, I, I think about myself at age seven. Mm-hmm. Like seven years old was the year that I had like the, the first full awareness of who I, who I was. So when I was saved at age seven and I remember, um, it wasn't even at my home church. It was at my stepfather's mother's church. In other words, his mother, right? That would be like my grandmother. Basically there was a man who basically was, was preaching the gospel. It was a small church it was Sunday morning and he just preached the gospel. And it's like, it's like that one time, it's like that one uh, way that Sam from Lord of the Rings explained stories. He said, stories stick with you. Even if you're too young to understand. And I'm like, that's exactly what happened to me when I was seven years old. He was talking about this man named Jesus and, you know, I, I didn't know him from a can of paint, you know, but the way that he described this man, what he did and how he died on the cross for our sins and that he loves you. He loves you so much that he came and he he came to earth to 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 reconcile us to the father to bring us back home because we were lost. We're lost in our own sin and our own mess. And the better we tried to make it, the worse we got like this guy just went in and all of a sudden, you know, in the end he talked about being saved and being, becoming a child of God, you know, a son and a daughter of God, you know, and if you want to be saved, you know, you come on down this aisle. And I remember, you know, my mom didn't make me or nothing like that. And she said, you know, you, you can go if you want. And so I kind of like stood by the, you know, the, the, not the pulpit, but just the, the edge of the, um, the pew. And then finally I just, I just walked on down and I repeated these words and, and I meant it, even if I didn't fully understand it, but I just believed it. And I never forget that the moment it was done, I felt like I was somebody's son. Mm. I I can't explain why, um, but I felt like I belong to God, and therefore I'm a child of God. And that that whole vibe, child of God, eventually became man of God when I became a man. So I always had this close yoke to God. You know, so when I think about man of God, that's what I think about. It's a it's a father son type of thing. It's not like this is my ministry title. You know, <laughs> no, this is right, 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 right. You know, that's that's really interesting 
you said you felt like a son. Did did you was there a void that you had around that time that you were feeling as a son, like, hey, my biological father isn't around. I know something's not really right here. Or my mom's married to another man who's my stepfather, but there's something quite not right. And God filled that cup or was that what you were feeling around the time or not really? Um, no, like here's, so I guess I'm like the weirdo. Um, no, I never had any of that, those feelings. You know, feelings I had when I was seven and six and two, a sense of something's out there, a sense of, I don't know, like adventure, something big is out there. Something great. Mm. That's the sense I've always had. And when I went to school and I learned about new things, that sense just got bigger. And so when I would hear stories about the Bible, it got real big, you know what I mean? And then finally, when, you know, the, the reality of God had set in, I was like, okay, I think this sense has found a home. And so mm. I think that deep down on the inside, that's where we're all search for. We have this hunger that only God can feel, not life and adventure and things like that. And as great as those things are, but it found a resting place under the idea and concept of God and everything else fell into place. So for me, I was happy with my mom. I was happy with my stepdad. You know, we went to vacation every year. I was city, Maryland. Like I was like a happy go lucky kid, you know? And, and, and that was, that was it for me. But when I got saved, it was just like, Oh, this is what everything's about. Gotcha. Gotcha. That makes sense. And so I'm sorry I didn't have like, you know, the story of, you know, my father's missing and I'm looking for this missing piece, you know. No, no, no. <laughs> You'd be surprised. Um, a lot a lot of stories aren't really like that. Um, some of the stories I've, you know, some of the stories I've heard so far, it's just <laughs> it's all sorts of different directions. Um, you can kind of hear it like in an underlying way, but it's not, I don't recall someone vocally saying it. You know, I was always looking for my father my whole life. I mean, I don't know if they've out, you know, that was just blunt in the way they said it, but maybe in a weird way or a different way, someone's kind of looking for a father figure in some sense. But yeah. it sounds to me like you had that father figure and your stepfather, um, and he took that responsibility and shows you different things. Oh yeah, and, and pointed you to, hey, there's something bigger than, than out there, and you were looking up like, okay, what is this thing? Um, and I, I just want to move forward. You mentioned your your father passed away, unfortunately, um, but did you? You said you had a chance to forgive him when he was in the hospital, you said? Oh, yeah. He had asked me to, to forgive him for everything mm-hmm. that had happened, you know, throughout that time. Was, you know, just losing things little by little by little. And I said, Dad, there is nothing to forgive. Mm-hmm. It is okay. I understand. Mm-hmm. You know, you you tried. You know what I mean? Yeah. Take that weight of guilt off of you. You know, let's focus on just trying to 
to, to, to get better from this. Now, yeah. you know, I, I do remember there was a time where um, my sister, um, my oldest sister, right? She's the oldest one. Like, she's the alpha female, right? I'm the oldest mm-hmm. male. She's the oldest, period. And, um, you know, she was living in a certain area at the time. And I remember, um, she, I think she was pregnant with, with my, who would be my nephew, you know, pregnant my nephew. And she was living with my dad. And there was this one night where, like, dad didn't come home. Mm. And my sister, she, she got this vibe, like, you know what? I, I think he's at it again. Cause he didn't come home like at all. And so finally, when he did come home, um, he looked like a zombie. Hmm. You know, that's one thing I never forget. I saw it for like a, a, a little bit. Um, but I admit even I was too tired to, to kind of remember. Cause I just really was like in, in bed. But when I did get up, you know, and, and I, I, you know, went to, went to see him and me and my sister, you know, he didn't want to be bothered, but he looked like a zombie and we know what he did, you know? Um, and it's little things like that, that, you know, really, it didn't make us doubt our dad. It was just like, man, we got to get him some help. Yeah. Um, but those are, yeah, those are definitely some struggle moments. But I just thank God that eventually he did get the victory in the end. Awesome. Know? Yeah, he That's did good, break man. free, you know. I can only imagine, Matt, that um, trying to break free from that, man. That That's just tough. Um, man. So I want to switch gears a little bit. It It sounds like that. You made had had made some peace with your father. You know, you forgiven him. You said there's nothing to forgive. Um, so I want to transition into uh, your teaching and your, your passion for teaching children and YouTube teaching. Um, was your father like a teacher that, that you could recall? Did he always have like a lesson that he wanted to share or anything like that? <laughs> oh man. Now, now, this is where it gets really interesting. Um, yeah, my my dad, uh, he he definitely was a teacher, um, but more like a. He, basically, his main thing was he was a piano player, so he played piano for church. That was mm-hmm. his main thing, but he had this thing where he could teach you just about anything. Um, now. When my grandmother had passed, which was years after he passed, my stepdad had told me at my grandmother's funeral, he said, hey, son, did you know that your dad, yes, he was a teacher, but guess where he got it from? And I said, who? He said he got his teaching and everything, his his whole inspiration from that from my grandmother. Hmm. And he said that my grandmother was somebody who was a bit of an informationist. She also was into conspiracy theories. 
Um, <laughs> so she definitely always stayed on her information. And mind you, this is before the internet. You know what I'm saying? This is my mm-hmm. grandmother. And so she was always, uh, always like that. Also, she was um, a teacher at Centennial High School, the old Centennial High School in McKeesport. Um, but, you know, that's that's now uh, Propel School now. But mm-hmm. she was a teacher there, you know, which I guess that's where I got kind of got like my whole, you know, gift from, I guess. So my dad, man, I would go into his house. And of course, he had all kinds of books, you know, and when he had passed those books, I had collected for myself. Kingdom of the Cults. Uh, I read Evan, that one. Yep. That was a good one. That was a big, thick one. Uh-huh. He, Walter Martin. He would, he would talk to me about Walter Martin. Yep. Um, what else? Evidence that demands a verdict, um, all, all kind of stuff. Um, he had all these books and of course he had all these DVDs. Some of these DVDs did contain things like chemtrails, Alex Jones, you name it. But he had these kind of, uh, bootleg DVDs that he would get from, you know, his sources and individuals, but he was an informationist in a lot of stuff. And so I guess I could kind of see <laughs> where I kind of, you know, kind of got that that theological hunger from, or just a knowledge hunger in general. Um, mm-hmm. It runs in the family, you know. And so I try to be a uh, uh, a, a bit of a, a, a perfecter in that. You know, it's like, okay, how how good can I be at this? You know, can I be better than my dad at this? Can can I really do it in a way where he's like he would say, you know, oh, I wish I would have did it like that. You know, oh, yeah. that's a good idea. I'm proud of you, son. You know, um, so. yeah. So that that's that's definitely him and and teaching. <laughs> um, it's awesome that you carry a piece of your father with you in that, uh, as far as teaching goes. And just a quick, que- a few quick questions. Did you teach in like uh, communities that were predominantly black, or is this a mixed bag? Yes. Um, okay, and, and, a, and a little bit of a mixed bag, you know, As a matter of fact, if you actually go on my, my Facebook, you'll actually see a lot of those, uh, chapters and things. Um, I had began to, basically when I was 19 years old, I began to study other religions and I studied Buddhism. And I remember the first mm-hmm. time I meditated, I immediately experienced what I saw in that one hour video about the no thought state. And so I started to study other religions, and this kind of gave me a thirst for the stories of the world, cultures, places, events, Um, you know, because I would ace seventh grade history all the time. I made straight A's. And so eventually this kind of led in like theology, and I wanted to know more about like the Bible and all these other interesting stuff. So I would literally read about, I would read the Gospels. Like when I was in high school, like that's what I would do on a hot summer day in the morning before I run out, I would open my window, the wind breeze would kick in and I would go ahead and just read about Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I will just read about this man named Jesus. And from there, the more I read about him, the more I started to notice I would impersonate him. Like I would, I would glean from him the way that he would handle situations. Mm. And that that stayed with me. That has not changed to this day, you know. Um, that sounds that's awesome, man. So yeah, 
now later on to make a long story really short because I'm, I'm trying to be short don't worry i know uh things went uh-huh. from being very personal to very theological for many reasons and that was because there were other beliefs out there that basically tried to ransack christianity ransack my beliefs um ransack my relationship with 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 jesus and um i ran into keith truth thompson and i watched him debunk something called zeitgeist and he did it with ease and this was in 2007 and once i watched how he did that with ease i was like wait a minute these these things that people say aren't so stone-walled they're they're built on stuff where the sources don't even say anything i said how much how much more stuff is out there like this that's just pervading and christians are just falling to it it's like wow it's like an elephant that has a uh a twig that has a a rope on its leg and it could snap free any moment but it thinks it's stuck mm. <laughs> you know and so long story short um a lot of my studies became you know it, it became less personal and more theological but i had to turn that back around which I did. I won't get into why, because I'm trying to keep everything really short. <laughs> but no, I mean, you can take where... your time. We can flow. Because um, I just wanted to chime in. I, I could relate to a lot of what you just said. And yeah. I, I want to be conscious of your time. I know you're a very busy guy. Hold on one second. And I, I have time today. I do. Uh oh, phone rang, y'all. And right now we're experiencing technical difficulties. Yeah, very, very technical <laughs> difficulties. I'll, I'll have to edit that out. <laughs> um, yes, uh, I don't know. We'll see how that goes. But yeah, technical, um, not technical difficulties. Sorry. <laughs> so uh, Keith Thompson, I have a lot of things I want to say to that. Um, I've watched some of his videos, and I think that is what, introduced me to a lot of uh, I guess the word would be apologetics as well yeah uh, when it comes to Christian stuff and uh, really interesting how the this media is this reaches a lot of people um, also uh, I that also resonates with making Bible studies too theological and not personal. I definitely right. relate to that. I've, I've gone down a few rabbit holes myself. Yeah. And <laughs> the ego but, is a scary thing. So. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so you said you do teach, you did teach to uh, predominantly black kids and I think still too in some capacities. So. Oh, right. I didn't get into that. I'm well, so yeah. I was just, yeah. I just wanted to know you, you. Right. When yeah. You, I wanted yeah. to. Right. I'm so sorry. Um, yeah, so basically my, my job was I was a prevention specialist. And so I had went into schools to take all of the troubled students that would give the teachers a hard time because we already know that teachers are up to their neck in things that they shouldn't even have to concern themselves with. But that's just the way it is, unfortunately, with today's society. So what happens is, as a prevention specialist, I would come in and I would take the toughest kids 
away from their classrooms and I would teach them in small groups. I would allow them to talk about their frustrations. I would hear them out. And this is a part where personally for me, um, I guess a lot of revelation really did hit me. One, I was given a curriculum, but I noticed that the curriculum, you know, it just didn't like hit the kids right. And so what I had to do was I had to take that curriculum and make it translatable and relevant to the student's life. And it had some success, but it had more success when, you know, I would go ahead and basically almost do away with the curriculum altogether. And I would create my own PowerPoint lessons filled with activities that would cause kids to think while having fun at the same time. Um, and they, they loved it. And so, and I loved it too, you know, and a lot of times, um, when the students, especially the younger ones would begin to kind of grow on you, they would call you dad by accident. Um, you know, they, they would mimic your behavior. I noticed all this stuff with kids. Now, so I'm so glad you said that. Cause I, I want to jump in there Yeah, because it leads to my next question. Working with those types of children in that environment and I think you might have already answered it, but did you did you perceive or did some of these kids open up to you about their relationship with their fathers and and was it lacking to your um, in your summation? Most definitely. Um, wow. Yes, you know, uh, a lot of the kids are hyper masculine because mm. they don't have. Can you like, break that down for our, our listeners? Okay, so for example. They're at a point where their hormones are starting to kick in and they're transitioning from boyhood to manhood. And that process goes totally unregulated. So, Mm. you know, think of it like if kids, you know, during that transition stage becoming adults, but that transition stage involves superpowers. Think about it like that. They can flex, they can do lots of things, but it's going totally unsupervised because the dad's not there. And the mom has to, you know, for all intents and purposes, raise Dion. You know, if you know about that Netflix series, you know, those I've heard YouTube. about it. I've right. heard about it. Okay, so imagine if Dion was a teen and he wasn't a child. Okay, can you imagine what Dion be like now? He wouldn't be cute anymore, would he? He'd probably be a threat. And, of course, who else would see him as a threat? Teachers. Right. Principals. Policemen. Do do you get the picture? Oh, yeah, I get it. All right, so when they get angry, there is no virtue or principles that are regulating their behavior. That's where I come in. Because outside of that, they just – they instinctively react just emotionally. So I take them from being emotional reactors and more like critical thinkers. All right, if I do this, what's going to happen? Uh, and if this happens, then this, then I'll, it'll keep me away from this. And by the end, is it worth it? So that's what I would literally have to do. Um, and I pulled mm. a lot of students um, out of the class one-on-one. And, uh, you know, we had a, I, I had to man up with them a little bit and, gotcha. and doing that. Um, but yeah. Wow. One thing you said to me that just strikes me is just amazing. 
You said some of the children would slip up and call you dad. Oh yeah. I oh that <laughs> how did that make you feel when you heard that? Like I mean, it to me it was just as natural as rain, you know, because <laughs> I think um I don't know why, but there's just this I think God makes everybody different for a reason. You know, for me, there's always been this move for us side of me where I just I just like being dad. I like looking after others. I like seeing them grow. I like watching mm-hmm. them. I like watching over them. I like making them laugh. You know, mm-hmm. I like it when they come to me asking me questions. I you know what I mean like I like that. And so kids glean that energy off of you a lot. You know what I'm saying? And so they'll that that's what causes them to do that. You know? And so when, when I get on them, you know what I mean? I, I've had, you know, years ago, I had this one guy, this roommate, um, you know, he was staying with me because he just needed a place to stay. Mm-hmm. And his girlfriend was was at the house um sometime. And I remember you know, because there was a certain way I like to keep my house, you know, you're not going to be smoking in my house. I remember I, I got on her about it and the way that I did it, she ended up telling me, you know, you, you're, you're not my dad, <laughs> you know? And then, you know, it, it happened again when, you know, there was another person that was staying with me because, you know, him and his girlfriend needed somewhere to live and they stayed with me for a little while. And the girl had little anger issues and, Again, she had taken a mirror off of my wall, a mirror that I liked, but she took it off my wall because she wanted to do her hair. And she got sick of going to that wall to do her hair. She wanted to do it in the other room. And mm-hmm. so when I got on her about it and say, hey, you can't just go ahead and dismantle a whole mirror cube just because you want it. No, you got to. And, and after we got into it a bit, what did she say? You know, you, 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 it's not like you're my dad, you know. Hmm. And so that, like I said, that vibe, it, it stays with you. And, and yeah, people, people will call it out, you know, but I've, I've been assumed a, a lot of things, but yeah, that, that's definitely one of them. But, you know, yeah. I, I, I love, I love the kids. I treat them like they're my own, you know. I think that's awesome, man. I, I really think that it sounds like you have a very special gift with children and the youth. And I know from reading the Bible, uh, that spoke of highly, um, you know, uh, uh, Jesus had a really high regard for the youth, the children. Um, and I just want to just wind it down. We're going to come to a close. Uh, just a, one more thing I wanted to hit on. I wanted to see if there was, in your summation, was, again, was there a connect? But I want to read something out of a blog I read. I'm just reading a little excerpt. And I want to read this to you. <clears throat> Many religious philosophies flourish because Christians do not give adequate attention to them. One apologist stated that cults are unpaid bills of the church. One theologically conservative Christian, uh, one theologically conservative Christians tend to ignore this, uh, the religious movements known as the black Hebrew Israelites. Uh, th- this lack of awareness has caused groups such as the nation of Islam the nation of gods and earth, Rastafarians, and the black Hebrews to infiltrate black communities to draw away members from a predominantly Christian demographic. Uh, what's your take on that? My take on that is, 
at first I was very black and white about it. But as I get mm-hmm. older, I, I start to notice that it's it's not so black and white. It's not so simple. I, I do believe that, you know, that, that cults and other interesting philosophies are the unpaid bills of the church. I remember I used to say that, but um, now that I think about it, even if, you know, let's just say Christianity was able to answer lots of questions. The fact is, is that there would still be questions. You know, I, I don't care what it is. Mm-hmm. I think that, you know, that these, you know, these, these past few generations, you know, we've done, you know, a pretty bad job in, you know, addressing these things for many reasons we let go of history and we didn't think that was important we let go all this stuff that we didn't think was important and now all of a sudden it comes back to biting us in the butt and you pretty much get a picture there but again i just personally think that the our our condition especially black black people especially us i believe that our condition is so bad that if if we had all of our questions answered or something like that we would still find a problem you know, and mm-hmm. it, it reminds me of uh, something I was looking at last night on my way home from work. I was looking at a, a Mortal Kombat 11 ending. This is one of my favorite endings. And it was Cetrion. And she is like a, a, a goddess of virtue. And she was able to go ahead in the end and control time. But the problem was every time she rewound time from the beginning and she freed human beings from like want or need the the issue was she said that that the humans would find some reason to still divide over each other whether it's from creed or race or whatever and so she said you know what she said mortal sins must be cleansed and so Mm. she said she baptized them in fire she Mm. said that human beings will fight this is a Mortal Kombat game. I'm telling you, you should look at it. I, yo, it gives me chills right now. She said that she said that humanity will fight. And in the end, when they arise from the ashes, arise from the darkness, they will be humbled, eager to embrace the light. Mm. And that's that's wow. just my, my take on the whole thing. Like it doesn't matter. Like you cannot waste your life thinking that oh you know what i'm an apologist if i can just get them to see and understand this and that no no, there will always be something no Mm. you just have to go ahead and and give it all to god let god just do what he does and in the end you know hopefully they emerge with themselves intact and only clinging to the lord and they left all that other junk in the wayside Right, right. Uh, And the reason why I brought that up, and and you're absolutely right, is it's it's such a deeper issue than trying to answer questions. And oh yeah, sometimes you know, and this is something I struggled with. uh, You feel empowered when you have more knowledge. You know that saying, "Knowledge (laughs) is power." Yeah. And I think we have to be careful with that, um, because if it if you don't have love, it's not going to really mean anything or do anything, but it could oh, yeah. hurt you. And the reason why I brought this quote up is because with you working with the youth and, you know, your experiences with your father and the importance of being there for, for, 
for their children and different things like that. I think sometimes cults or even the church could replace like, or try to replace like a dad in a sense. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if it, if, if God designed life that way, I think fathers has, has a specific unique role in a child's life. Um, and church has its place and movements and groups have their place. Um, but it seems like when you don't have that, I uh, love the way you put it, uh, something to kind of guide you in the way you should go, you kind of give yourself over to whatever passion or something that's going to feed the things that you want to do, whether you're angry or you have a gripe against something or you're church hurt or, and then you're going to try to join something that filters that and you can, you know, you, you partake in what they're doing. And, and, and I read that and that maybe that's, you know, the church's unpaid bills, uh, you know, uh, the spawns of things that aren't checked in the house. And this is what happens when you don't check them. You know, people join this or people start this. Um, and, and that's why I read that to you um, to get your take on it, because you work in that uh, ministry um, and that service. Um, but, brother, this this has really been cool. Yes. I just want to say, um, do you have anything that you would like to say? Any words of wisdom? And please feel free to, to plug your uh what, what you got going on, uh, but any words of wisdom uh, for anything to our listeners as uh, we close this out? Um, you know, what words of wisdom would be, um, I, I would definitely say always hold on to God, always hold on to hope. Um, embrace the present moment all the time. Uh, this will become easier the order that you get. And especially if life doesn't go the way that you like it to go. Um, I would definitely also say that there's a great tremendous sense of joy that comes when you um, embrace God for who he is instead of what you want from him. Seek his heart don't seek his hand. Um, also, I think that we really do in terms of black community, um, we really need to just start focusing on, you know, some of the major issues, you know, when it comes to, to us, uh, which is fatherless homes, mass incarceration and single parent. Like if, if you were to just nail it down, uh, I think Candace Owens definitely did hit it, hit it hard when she said that, um, yeah, when, when I end up looking at, you know, some of the root issues, th- those are the root issues. You know, my personal issues, I think, that stem from that are um, terrible schools, um, struggling churches, and, you know, uh, low-income jobs, you know, where, where there's a high unemployment. I think those are the things that are the outgrowth of mass incarceration, fatherless homes, and single parenting. You know, it, it just kind of makes poor fruit for everything. And I think mm-hmm. if if the church could continue to address those things, then you, you would see a change. But at the same time, we have to remember that the, the Jesus did not create the church to fix the black community. Mm. 
please hear me what I'm saying. That's the reason why people could go ahead and do all these amazing things for the black community. And then in the end, there could be a possibility where God says, I never knew you because Mm. you did not do his will. So you created these, you know, community uh, programs and things like that. But whose soul did you save? You know, did you tell anybody about the Lord in the midst of you doing these wonderful things? I'm not telling people to stop. Please. These things are important. I'm saying that if Christ is not at the center of it, and instead you have this thing called nation building, then who are you really doing it for? This is the reason why the black Hebrew Israelites are so dangerous, because they also do nation building, right? The nation of Israel. They're copying from the RBG, which is the reason why it, it, it just burns me on the inside because it screams that Jesus's program, Jesus's will, what he wants to do is, isn't just, it's not fun enough. It's not good enough. It needs this. It needs a little bit of seasoning. It needs a little bit of this. No, it doesn't. He says that you are the salt of the earth. What I put in you is the salt of the earth, not your, uh, not your nationalism. And so that is the issue. You know, it's like we it's like all these cults are trying to go ahead and do everything except for, you know, the will of the Messiah, which is to reconcile the world back to himself. That's the main thing. But they preach all these other things like they're the main thing. And they say, oh, I'm serving Jesus. Mm. You know, what I mean, it's almost like Jesus is not good enough for them. You know what I mean? It's just what he wants is just not appealing enough. You know what I mean? It's not more uh, glorious than our problem and our plight. And so Mm -hmm. you take the entire Bible and you make it about yourself. It's idolatry. If you're only reading the Bible to study about yourself, if your thing is, well, this book was written for us and by us, and I'm reading about my ancestors and what the, the, the whole focus is not even what Jesus and the apostles ever even focus on. So they have a foreign mindset. No one ever looked at the scriptures and the Old Testament thinking that, oh, these are my ancestors. No, they looked at it looking for Jesus. Period. That's what Paul did when he got kicked out of three Christian synagogues. He was showing them about the Lord. You know, and it's um, so that mindset yeah. is just totally foreign, and um, that's just a lot of my my frustrations. And I hope that, you know, I hope they change. I pray that you know they they really change and embrace God's will. Awesome, awesome. And for anyone who has any questions about what Matt is talking about, Matt, can you give them some contact info so they can reach out to you and? And talk. Sure. My contact info is uh, S-S-O-R-E-A-L at gmail.com. I did check an email this week and I emailed that person back with plenty of sources that they could use because they emailed me asking for sources and how to study. My other email is M-A-T-T-H-E-W-S-A-L-I-H at gmail.com. That's more of my business professional one. Um, but yeah, that is uh, that's my contact. If you want my Google phone, just simply email me, and from there I can give you my Google phone, and we can we can definitely talk more. Um, my ministry is a father's well. To this very day, I am still looking to do actual um, 
uh, actual, uh, what's the word? It's also the P, goodness. <laughs> uh, uh-huh. Dang. Partnership? No. Darn it. <laughs> what's it called? <laughs> workshops. No, it's also the W. Wow. <laughs> I'm with, you know, um, actual workshops, you know. Uh, my book will definitely uh, be out this May. Um, I finally figured out how to go ahead and update the cover page and all that. So my physical book will actually be out. It is called um, it is called Christian Hebrew Conversations for Spouses and Loved Ones, Volume 1. There are three extra chapters in the paperback edition that's coming out, the one you can hold in your hand. You know, it, it, there's, um, there's a, a chapter on divorce because that is an issue in the Hebrew community. They take one who believes and one who doesn't believe, and they do this doctrine of divorce. They go through mm. all these scriptures. I have a chapter dedicated entirely to that that refutes all that stuff in case they come knocking at your door. You know, another mm. extra chapter I have is one that actually holds an actual dialogue. So that way you can kind of learn how to talk, you know, with them. Um, and kind of rebut them and also kind of get their perspective on how to look at scriptures. So my book is very different. It's great for beginners. Um, it's, it's a well-rounded book. But, yeah, that's how you contact me. Those are some things that you can definitely, um, you know, get some resources off me. And in terms of ministry, you know, I have the Father's Well. Um, so, yeah, if you want to be benefited by those teachings and those lessons for your church, um, I'm definitely willing and open to talking with your pastor, your congregation, your leadership. Um, please get at me. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Matt, I want to thank you again for coming on the show. Um, it's It was a great conversation. I, I liked it. Did you have fun? Oh, yeah, most definitely. Uh, oh, memory yeah. lane all the way. <laughs> so. Awesome. 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 